Lord, you are great, and we come to you with a great desire to see you, to know you, and to participate with you, and, and uh, see you move in our lives, Jesus. Would you speak to us from your word now? Help us to listen, to hear exactly what you want to hear and what you want us to do. Encourage us in the way you exactly want to encourage us. In this time, in Jesus' name, amen. I want to welcome everybody, um, especially those of you who are guests with us. Some of you are here for the first time. Great to have you here in our house of prayer for all nations. And a uh, place where strangers become friends, friends become family. We also have some people back. Pastor Andrew is back from vacation. Welcome. Um, the Snyders are, are here. Uh, if you, those of you who know Pastor Sam Snyder, this is how he got to be so amazing. Um, they've been in Mexico for 41 years. And uh, so they are, uh, you know, if you want to know what's happening in the nations, ask them. Um, anyway, so we're uh, great, great to have each of you here. And uh, those of you who are here regularly as well, we're great to, great to be together. So um, we are talking about conflict today and some communication and also encouragement. Um, how do we get courage in the midst of that? So what is Jesus doing? We've been talking about acts, but it's not the acts of the apostles, it's the acts of Jesus and the Holy Spirit through his people and his church. So what's Jesus doing? And sometimes you want to know what's Jesus doing in the midst of this? Sometimes you go, what is this? So I want to ask you a question. Have you ever felt disappointed? And have you ever felt disappointed by a Christian? Anybody ever felt disappointed by a Christian? Okay, some of you didn't raise your hands. Let me give you some prompts. Um, have you ever had somebody desert you when you needed them most? You remember that? You feel that? Yeah, me too. Someone you looked up to dismissed you. As a failure, talking to someone this week from our congregation talked about deep wounds from times when he was dismissed or his boss just didn't think he could do it. Or, um, and sometimes that happens in ministry. And it, Have you ever felt dismissed by somebody who you really thought was your hero, who you really thought was going to... How about somebody who wasn't firm in their commitment to truth or to the task, the purpose Maybe the purpose of the gospel, something really important that they weren't firm on. And you were disappointed that they seemed so wishy-washy. That ever happened to you? How about a heated conflict between Christians? Even leaders. Now that never happens, but just in case it would ever happen that there was conflict between Christians, or that even those leaders could disagree with each other, you'd feel disappointed if that ever happened, right? It's happened. And I think we've probably been disappointed when it's happened. And it's happened here. And maybe it's been disappointing. Um, how about somebody who wouldn't forgive someone else? Even when they'd been forgiven, but they wouldn't forgive somebody else when it happened. And have you ever been disappointed with yourself? As a Christian, 
So it's interesting to me, uh, you know, we, I used to work at a Christian university, and people would always say, oh, this is a Christian university, and usually that was not followed by, so I should be stepping up and doing more. It was usually followed by, so how come the administration is so, how come, in other words, we have higher standards for Christians, especially those Christians, but when we get around to it, we really sometimes are upset because we're disappointed with ourselves. And of all these disappointments, I've had each of them, that one is the hardest for me. Any of you ever disappointed with anybody in any of those ways? How did it feel? How does it feel? Not too good, right? So, I've got good news for you. Our greatest Bible heroes had big problems and big conflicts. Is that good news? It is. Because we're not so different. And the Bible amazingly lays out all of these problems they had. I mean, it's hard to look through Scripture and find anybody who didn't have serious problems. And the Bible talks about it. I mean, honestly, I keep hoping that there's a hero someplace that would be without clay feet, that would not have big problems. But if I look in Scripture, they aren't there. And I want to be that, actually, but when I look at my life, I'm not there. So what do we do with conflicts? Um, so we talked about, uh, gentlemen, this is a football. Or this is a football. So we talked about this is a football. We said it's a team sport. And team sports ever have conflicts? And what about when you're playing two different kinds of football? And some people want to play this football. Some people want to play this football. What, what happens when there's differences? How do we respond to differences and disagreements that come out of those differences? So we looked at the early church, had big disappointments. We saw how these people came to Antioch from Judea, and Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently, no, we're saved only by faith. Paul and Barnabas were countering this doctrine that was coming from some people in Jerusalem, right? So they went back, and how did the church pursue truth and pursue love? What was the process? We looked at this over the last couple weeks, or the last couple times I preached anyways. We had, we had some different variety of preachers in here, which was fun. Sylvia did a great job, and Stanley and others. Um, so anyway, we have, we've had some fun times. So spirit-led process with discussion from all sides, they, discovery from God's work and God's truth, so the disagreements actually produce discovery, like that we're saved by faith and not by circumcision or following the law. They, decision that was firm in truth and flexible in love through this spirit-led process in Acts 15. And then there was communication. So that's the part we didn't get to yet. So we're going to look at the communication of that decision that happened. So, and the results for the church were expansion and harmony, not unity, but unison. Unity, but not unison, rather. Because harmony sounds better, right? But it means people are different, singing different notes. And transformation of the church. So, communication led to encouragement. So then the apostles and elders, together with the whole church in Jerusalem chose delegates, and they sent them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas to report on the decision. The men chosen were two of the church leaders, Judas and Silas. This is the letter they took with them. Um, this letter is from the apostles and elders, your brothers in Jerusalem. It's written to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and, greeting, and Cilicia. Greetings. 
We understand that some men from here have troubled you and upset you with their teaching, but we did not send them. That was not Jerusalem. They might have said it was from Jerusalem, but it wasn't from us. So we decided, having come to complete agreement, to send you official representatives, along with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. So they didn't just send an email. They sent people who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. They're getting on the side of Paul and Barnabas. Hey, we're with Paul and Barnabas. We're not against them. We're sending Judas and Silas to confirm what we've decided concerning your question. For it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. And again, we said this was flexibility so there could be fellowship, so they could have food together. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. If you do this, you'll do well. Farewell. This is not salvation. This, is, this would help us get together and help us each to still relate to our own communities. The message went at once to Antioch where they called the general meeting of the believers. Again, we said all the church, all the church in Jerusalem agreed, all the church in Antioch got together and delivered the letter. And there was great joy throughout the church. So that was one of the results of this communication. That day as they read this encouraging message, so they got courage to keep going in pursuing God. They were encouraged. Then Judas and Silas, both being prophets, spoke at length to the believers encouraging and strengthening their faith. And you're going to see this encouraging and strengthening as with this communication that keeps happening. They stayed for a while. So it was one thing for the, for the Jewish believers to get together and, and haggle this out and figure out what are we talking about? What's, what is the good news? But then they went and were with the Gentile believers and they ate with them and they talked with them and they spent time with them. Now, in this case, it was nothing decided about us without us. It was decided without the Gentile believers, but then it was communicated with them and discussion and, and, and stuff happened so that they were together. Right? And the church maintained unity. Jerusalem and Antioch were not, no, they were different churches, but they were united, not unison, but they were united in following Jesus and they were encouraged and they were relating. And then the believers sent them back to the church in Jerusalem with a blessing of peace. Take our shalom back to our brothers in Jerusalem. Notice how, how the church in Jerusalem has come under and serving these people. They're not, they're not like, you ought to do this, right? Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch. They and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord there. I'm just highlighting the many others because it wasn't just Paul and Barnabas teaching anymore like it had been earlier. Earlier was Barnabas. He had to go get Paul to help him out. Now, there's a lot of people teaching and preaching the Word of God, and the Word of God is strengthening them, encouraging them. Okay? So communication is strengthening the church, encouraging the church from this decision that was both firm in truth and flexible. And then there's more conflict. Oh, sorry. We were just having such a good time, weren't we? They're all encouraged and happy. And, and then there's more conflict. And it's worse in some ways. It's worse. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each church where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. They wanted to strengthen. They wanted to communicate this word. Barnabas agreed. Okay, they got agreement. Paul and Barnabas, they're good friends. They've been working together. They've been beaten up together. They've been through a lot of stuff together. And wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly. No way. Since John Mark had deserted them 
in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. In fact, he went back to Jerusalem. Paul might have been like, how did Jerusalem church find out that we were talking to Gentiles? And Gentiles were coming to the Lord and we weren't circumcising them. Was that Mark? How do we get in this trouble? Anyways, their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. They went different ways. So this is maybe not as happy an outcome as before. So was this a spirit-led process? I mean, this was certainly a human process, very normal. Um, there was discussion. They all discussed. Paul and Barnabas had lots of discussion about this. There was discovery, and then the, they discovered that they differed, and the decision came. Paul was firm in truth, and the task, the purpose matters. We can't be compromising on the purpose. of. We can't have people who wimp out. Is it true that the task needs to go forward and it's important that we get the, the things done? Is that true? Yeah, it is. You don't want volunteers, you don't want staff, you don't want missionaries who aren't really doing what they are called to do, right? They got to do it so we can get the work done. But it's also important to be flexible and forgiving and love. That's Barnabas. And that's why we have teams. Because Paul is firm in truth and task. We got to get there. We got purpose. We got to, and that allows him to be like, okay, I was stoned and I'm just about dead, but I'm getting up and going back into that city. That's the kind of person Paul is. And he doesn't want any quitters with him. Barnabas is a different kind of person. He's an encourager. And they worked well together, right? How did this feel? Think about it. Put yourself in one of those people's place. So, I was just imagining. Let's see. Let's try uh, Paul. We can't take that quitter along again. He left us. He's worthless. He did, did you see what? He didn't say he was worthless. Probably Paul wouldn't say that, right? He quit. He's a deserter. He left us. He, he doesn't have what it takes to be a missionary when the going gets tough. We can't take Mark along. He might, he might go back and tattle on us again to the, to the, to the Jews. You know, Paul, Paul, settle down. Don't you remember that you have failed sometimes? In fact, maybe murdered some Christians and did some bad things? And I brought you to the apostles and, and welcomed you. I took you in. And then I came and searched you out when you were off for 10 years doing stuff in Tarsus. I brought you to Antioch. I encouraged you, even though you'd had some failures, you'd had some things that... You know, Paul, it just give him some time. He's just your cousin. That's all you care about. He's just your cousin. That's why you want to do it. Oh, man. 
I thought, I thought Paul was my friend. I thought he was going to help me out. I thought I was really going places with Paul. And then I, I know I shouldn't have wimped out, but it was getting so tough, and I didn't know what was going on. Just, but what am I going to do? I think God's done with me. I, I know I shouldn't have done that, but now I've, I've really screwed up. So those are some of the discussions that were probably going on. Or you can put it in your own mind's eye. And some of those kinds of discussions must have been pretty tough. After all they'd been through, to finally come to a decision that we can't continue together. Because Barnabas is an encourager, and he is not going to give up on John Mark. And Paul says the task has to be done. Well, so who's right? Yeah, they're probably both right, right? The task has to get done. And we have to care about people. We have to encourage people. We have to forgive people. They're both right. Right? And they both have a perspective on the, what's happening. But they can't come to agreement, so they agree to disagree, and they agree to go separate ways. Is that okay? It's not great. It's not ideal. But it, it worked. Have you ever disagreed with somebody? And you finally just had to go separate ways? Has there ever been anybody in this church who finally just kind of went a different way? And maybe it was us, maybe it was them, but they've gone someplace else? That hurts. Me, at least. I don't know about you, but every person who is no longer here with us, I feel bad about. And I wonder if I could have done something different that would have helped them at least the ones that left when I was around. I wonder if I failed them somehow. Maybe because I'm not really as much of a Barnabas and encourager and empathetic and as maybe I'm more like Paul and a little more firm in truth. And how, how do we deal with these differences? How do we deal with those feelings? So... Um, I was listening to some uh, webinars with, with my wife for a half hour every morning that she does at her work, and they were talking about this from, uh, from Lengioni. I think I said that right. Lencioni, thank you. Um, and he talks about how we don't have results in our teams because we don't have accountability, because we don't have commitment, because we don't have conflict, because we don't have trust. So he said you have to start with trust where you're actually vulnerable and you talk about your strengths and your weaknesses and you say, this is who I am, and people relate to each other. And then lack of trust, allow, if you get trust, then you can have conflict. He says fear of conflict stops us. So why do we fear conflict? Because this is what usually happens. Disagreement escalates to personal attacks and then the problem, this is not the first time, then dialogues abandoned, enemies open, hostility, polarization. That's, we're like, whoa, 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 let's not go there. So we have what Lencioni calls artificial harmony. 
So we're like, it's church. Let's be nice. Let's not bring up anything that, you know, would, or, you know, let's just, let's just not talk about it. So personal attacks are definitely, and man, when we listen to anything in the world, it seems like it's personal attacks these days. Am I, am I right? Even if it's not on a person, it's on a group, it's, on, it's just like a lot of attacks, right? So we're so scared of attacks that we stay in artificial harmony. Let's, let's just not talk about anything. How's the weather? Is that okay? Let's not talk about the economy because then we'll start talking about well, whose fault that is. So anyway, so we, we stay in artificial harmony but he says that we need to get to conflict. Because if we don't get to conflict, we can never have a decision. So the church and Paul and Barnabas, they got to conflict. They said, no, I disagree. And they, they put it all out there. And they talked about what are we going to do. They talked about what is the truth. They talked about they didn't shy away. Now, if they stepped over into personal attacks, oh, it's just your cousin, they, they probably step back from that, right? So we, but we have to be not afraid to sometimes bump up against that, and maybe if we step over, we step back. But don't be so afraid, church, of personal attacks and negatives that we never have any conflicts. And obviously, all of us are burned in this season <laughs> from flames, right? So we're wanting to, one way we can handle that is to stay back here. Because maybe we've even gone too far over there. So we're, we're trying to stay in artificial harmony. But then we never learn anything. We never discover anything because we never have a disagreement or a conflict or an argument or a debate. Are you with me? So we need to build trust so that we can then have creative, positive conflict. So anything from the ideal conflict over is constructive. You start crossing over into personal attack, then it becomes destructive. But even for Paul and Barnabas, this never crossed over into personal attacks. They never got people on their side in the church. They never... From what we know, they, they ended up having it out, agreeing to disagree, and agreeing to move on in separate ways because this is something they couldn't agree on. They both had a good point. Are you with me on that? And I think we're getting there as a church, as a leadership anyways. We're starting to learn how to have conflict. Feel good about that? I think we're, we're learning how to trust each other and have maybe a little more conflict. And sometimes we don't always agree, believe it or not. And sometimes we can try so hard to get consensus that we just don't move on. And sometimes I can be guilty of that. So, um, so what happens later? Is this like this blows up and these relationships are done? In Acts, we don't hear anything more from Barnabas or Mark. Bye.
But that's just because Luke ends up traveling with Paul in a few verses, so he's tracking with Paul. So he's telling us Paul's story. But it doesn't mean that Barnabas and Mark were done. So what happened? Well, what happened with Paul and Silas? Well, they went on and they strengthened the churches and they picked up another apprentice, Timothy, a young man who turned out to be a, a great apprentice. And Paul had a lot of faith in him and they had a fruitful ministry. What happened to Paul and Barnabas? Well, we don't know in Acts, but in 1 Corinthians 9, 6, Paul mentions, is it only Barnabas and I that don't have to work for a living as apostles? So apparently the Corinthians way over in Greek knew they knew that Barnabas was an apostle, that he was doing good work, that he didn't take any pay. They knew about Barnabas's good work, and Paul talks about Barnabas's good work. So apparently their relationship wasn't blown up and estranged. They're continuing separately. Paul and Mark. Well, we know a little more about Paul and Mark because in Colossians 4:10 and 2 Timothy 4:11, it says a few things. They're they're kind of offhand comments, but it's clear from the way they talk about them that there's a whole lot of healing that happened. They must have been reconciled because Mark once again served as his assistant. In Colossians, Paul refers to him as a co-worker and suggests he may soon be sending him to visit the church in Colossians. Colossi, and that's in Colossians and Philemon as well. Still later, when Paul was awaiting execution in prison in Rome, he asked Timothy to bring Mark with him, for he thought Mark would be helpful to him in his ministry. So Paul changed his mind about Mark. He said, you know what? Mark is really great stuff. He's really a help to me. He's a great assistant. Would you please send Mark? So failure is not forever. And Mark also seems to have been an assistant to Peter and, and been with him. And it talks about that in 1 Peter. And apparently Mark was taking notes from Peter. And we don't know about Mark's preaching, but we know about his writing because he wrote the Gospel of Mark. Which... Luke and Matthew also relied on when they were writing their Gospels. So Mark was not washed up. Barnabas was not wrong about Mark. Mark had a lot to offer. So the Spirit can restore after failure and rocky relationships. Can you hear that? You may have failed. Or somebody may have failed you, but the Spirit's not done with you or with them. You can be forgiven and you can forgive them. And relationships can be restored. And maybe you'll never be traveling and buddies, but maybe you'll just watch each other from afar and say, bless you. You know, we could have had references in Scripture to, well, you know about Barnabas. Well, that Paul, Mark guy. But we don't, right? We have Mark's a great assistant. What about Mark's ministry? Assistant to Paul, Peter, and wrote the Gospel of Mark. So failure doesn't disqualify you forever. And the Spirit brings the fruit. It's not about how perfect we are. If it was, there would be nobody. <laughs> Look through Scripture. Which one of those are you going to... None of them. Except Jesus. They've all... It's a bunch of failures, forgiven failures, and sometimes fruitful failures. Have you ever felt disappointed? I'm going to take you back to this. In any of these ways, can you think about one of them and think about what might the Spirit be doing? 
Could you offer that to God? I'm going to just give you a minute right now. Pick a relationship or maybe even disappoint with yourself. Take a minute and just offer that to God. Let's just pray. I'm going to give you a moment. Lord, would you please give us forgiveness for ourselves and for others and faith in what you can do and the fruit that you can bring, the relationships you can restore. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to finish one other piece here. What are the results in the churches? Paul and Silas travel. They travel through Syria and Felicia, and they're sharing the good news, this, this decision, strengthening the churches there. And 16, verse 4 says, Then they went from town to town, instructing believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. So the Spirit wasn't done just because there was some conflict. He just divided and multiplied. Right? So... Trust produced conflict, but it produced commitment also from these believers. See, the, the Spirit-led process begins with discussion, goes into discovery, decision, communication, and then commitment, obedience. So sometimes it comes down to, after all that, after the discussion, after the decision, that obey word is used in some of the Bible translations. They told them to obey what the apostles and elders in Jerusalem had decided. And they didn't be like, well, those are just a bunch of Jews. They don't know anything about us. Well, who do they think they are? They obeyed. And the churches were strengthened and multiplied. And I know obey is really a nasty word in our day. But sometimes the decision has to be made and we have to commit to it and then we have to obey. Even when the leaders are kind of Messy, and they disagree, and they're, they're failures sometimes. Still, the Spirit leads them in decisions that we, we need to obey, even if it wasn't what we would have picked. And I hate that myself. I, I'm with you. Nobody likes to obey. But you can't say you're obeying God if you never obey a person. Right? You can't say I'm submitted to God if I'm not submitted to somebody. The results for the church, expansion, like we just saw. And harmony, unity but not unison. Paul and Barnabas are in harmony, but in different places. And transformation. So there is hope. What is Jesus doing in the conflicts that are happening around you? That are happening in the churches right now? I don't think Jesus is done. I don't think the Spirit... I love the song that James sang, and James, come on up, and the worship team. I love that song that he just sang, that you know what? God is not terribly upset by all the things that are, the battle is not a problem for him. Our shame is no shame to him. Our sin is no problem to him. Our failure does not mean that he's going to fail. Isn't that great news? So, Lord, we are so grateful that you can use us. You can do things with us, through us despite us. You have chosen to partner with 
failing humans. But you do not fail. And you manage somehow to work with us. Would you help us to forgive, to accept forgiveness, to learn how to have conflict in a productive way, to decide things and commit to those decisions and obey them? Would you give us joy, encouragement, strength, and expand this church and your church throughout the world? We put ourselves at your service. Jesus, do your work and help us to see what you're doing even now. In Jesus' name, amen. You feel like they're disappointed with you. As you're thinking about that this week, would you just bring that to the Lord? And I want to pick one phrase out of, um, it says, Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. So when Barnabas left, they entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. When Paul and Silas left, they entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. And for those of you who've been here and you're thinking about, you know, where is so-and-so? I haven't seen them. Could you just say, Lord, I entrust them to your gracious care. I would you take care of them? Would you, by your grace, be with them? It's been, actually, it was, I was invited to a bunch of uh, grad parties this, this uh, you know, grad party season. And uh, some of them are kids who are here. Some of them are families who are no longer here. And families who, uh, and, and it was, it was, it was kind of fun. Some people who, you know, we had some disagreements and then they decided they had to go to someplace else and they still invited me to the grad party and then I met other people who similar things had happened and got to talk to them and they're like, oh yeah, we're at this church, it's going well and this one, you know, that, well, yeah, we're doing this and, and you know, yeah, and then, you know, we had to part ways because, you know, one of them went back to being Catholic and there's things I couldn't do, we couldn't be for them and that's okay. So we entrust them to the Lord's gracious care. I know we talk about being a family. It's hard to see that happen. Jan said, maybe you should think of it more as, you know, when you were in college and you have a graduating class and they go on and have alumni reunions and they're, uh, God is continuing to work. And, and, and then we went to some other, another party and uh, Tom and Millie's grandchild. And there were people who had left in the 80s and 90s and got to hear about how things were going in their lives and how God had been with them and with their families through that time. And you know, it's kind of something that happens. Can we entrust people to the Lord's gracious care and, uh, and, and have faith that he's going to take care of that? And if you're, if you're online and you're, you've, you're checking in on us, but you've moved on to someplace else, we entrust you to the Lord's gracious care. And we know we extend grace to you and uh, pray that God is using you someplace else. Now, one of them said, you know, I've been looking at going to other churches and it's terrible. Most of them are like 50% of what they were. You think they're great churches and boy, what are we going to do? And of course, I wanted to say, well, why don't you pick one? Um, and he said, I, you know, I, how are they going to make it financially? I said, why don't you give to one? It doesn't have to be us. But so we'd love if you commit here. We'd love if you commit someplace else. But you know, Paul and Barnabas and Silas and John Mark, none of them quit the kingdom. None of them quit doing stuff. They disagreed and they went on in some, some form to, to do what God had called and the church expanded and was strengthened and blessed. And God still wants to do that. So do not let disappointment or disagreement cause you to sit down on the sidelines. Amen. And say, oh, I don't know about those people. Or I don't know about myself. 
The church is forever. Amen. It's for eternity. And you can be in on it forever or you cannot. But the church is going forward. <laughs> and John Mark stayed in on it despite all the disappointments. And Paul and Barnabas kept going in different lanes. And so would you recommit to being part of this motley crew we call the church? With a God who will not fail us despite our failures. So let's just pray that first. Lord, we ask your forgiveness for our failures as individuals, failures in our relationships. Would you give us grace? Forgive us. Forgive me. And help me to forgive others. Help us to forgive others. And those we haven't seen, and those who have gone on, those who have gone different ways, would you bless them? We entrust them to your care and your grace. God, forgive them and empower them to live victorious lives, to further your good news. Jesus, all around the world, we pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done.